Hello everyone. Uh, before we begin, just a reminder that we're running our review competition all throughout June, where you can win one of three bundles of five games on Steam. The competition closes at the end of June, so stick around for the end of the podcast and I'll tell you how to enter. So, speak to you then. For now, on with the show. Onirim, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and The Sniffer. This is Staying In. This is the thing, Chris, and um, I've heard that you've been on the We're Not Wizards podcast and talking about me on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that well, you've that been was, talking that was, that was what you told me. me to do. I've been talking... <laughs> <laughs> that, um, Pete, yeah, I think what? that was that was the only way Chris could get permission in order to go on the podcast. Yeah, what's that? The, the fact that you—that's the only way you give him permission to go on the podcast. We'll, we I all have to run him. all of our decisions by you. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I've, Chris, I've heard that you've been talking shit about me behind my back. <laughs> um, every, I mean, any, it was a lot of backhanded compliments. So, right, okay, well, well, that's all right then. Um, no, At least they were I, compliments. I talked about just what we talked about in the last episode, you, the fact that you don't do anything in half measures, that you're yeah. you're committed and you're driven and, like, you don't have a passing interest in something or anything. I, yeah. I, Alex listened to the podcast that you were on Yeah. Um, and she said... She was walking along to work and she was listening to the podcast and she got to the bit where you were talking about it and apparently she stopped dead in her tracks and she went ah oh, he is <laughs> and then kept walking uh, so uh, I was late for work you've, you've re- yeah absolutely it's been a revelation for Alex your uh, thing about we're not wizards um, so uh, perhaps taking up a new hobby isn't a good idea um, uh, which is probably why I've not been playing a whole bunch of stuff recently it's really strange I have kind of doubled down on other things that I've been doing. I've spent most of my last fortnight um, kind of either completing things or sitting lonely, staring at nothing or sleeping. So I, I completed Yakuza 0. Oh, yeah? How was it in the end? 44 hours of absolutely top-notch uh, Yakuza-based Brilliant. crime thriller crossed with comedy, Streets of Rage, the RPG, it's sort of Shenmue, but sort of not prequel to the Yakuza series. It's really good. It's probably the best Yakuza I've played, and uh, we've talked about it way too much already, but yeah, it's really, really good, and um, I'm probably going to send it to you, Chris, at some point, cause, or I might send it through to Sam. I, I think basically it needs to do the rounds, because I think it's a really important game. It's really, really cool, and it's definitely got me jazzed for Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of the original Yakuza game, but more jazz, really, for Yakuza 6, which sounds super amazing. I've been kicking Sam's ass at Star Realms. He's not here to defend himself, but I have. He's beat me a couple of times, actually. But my, I would say, I reckon my win-to-loss ratio against Sam is actually pretty high in Star Realms on the app. To the point it's getting a bit tedious, actually. Step yeah. up, Sam. I, That's what I'm saying. Well, he left his... Well, I t- just to defend Sam, um, when, he, when he was here at mine last weekend, the weekend before last, sorry, uh, he accidentally left his iPad here. So his iPad was in my flat for the best part of a week. And Oof. I'd get messages off him saying, yeah, you may have to carry on for me on Star Realms. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, was, That's absolutely brilliant. He was going to give me like kind of full access to his iPad just so he could carry on his multiplayer yeah. games. But I've, I've, sure I've stopped playing Star Realms on the app. Um, my partner has become incredibly addicted to it. She loves it. Honestly, the card game. She absolutely loves the game. She's incredible. The fi- so, the, is, are we talking about the physical game? Or are we talking the about physical the, the game? The physical game. Oh, okay. um, we'd probably okay. play the app version if we went on holiday somewhere. Not just right. to play the app, but like we play the. <laughs> she prefers the kind of card game um, version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I could see when she first saw it, like she wasn't too impressed, like I was with the art and stuff. But she really likes the mechanics, and uh, mm. yeah, she just completely wipes the floor with me, um, which is always love. Um, <laughs> so. So she's she's really got into that. Obviously, you didn't hugely like the the art that came with it. There's there there's general weird, rumory, talky sort of not confirming anything, but sort of talking vaguely about Kickstarter from the White Wizards people, which I'm really interested about. They're talking that about it being a Kickstarter to do with something to do with Star Realms, 
which makes me which makes me really wonder what it might be like a reimagining like a re reissue of the card art a a brand new expansion would you have a would you have a console version i i i mean it would work like mm. a console version would work i not amazing i mean i can't i can't see why it wouldn't gain anything by being on a console except for you know perhaps a slightly wider audience but I think it would be really cool. I, I, I mean, it would destroy the rest of my free time because um, I would just go. I would just have my PlayStation on, check into that every ten minutes. Um, uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see what that Kickstarter is. Apparently, that's going to be in a couple of months, at least a couple of months' time. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really fascinated to see it. And and it's kind of cool that we've all kind of we've all jumped. I mean, apart from you, Dan, like we've all kind of jumped on the Star Realms thing. I mean, you played it a little bit. But you weren't massively into it. I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't reached a point yet where I am discarding it. Um, mm. But I haven't played it enough yet to say yes, I like it. I just haven't played right, it enough. Okay. But I'm. But I. I wouldn't sit here and say I don't like the game. It's not for yeah. me because I haven't played it enough. So once yeah. I've given it a go and fully, I understand everything. Then I will know whether or not it's for me. But will I'm you, not. Will you play? Will you play it and come back and give the Dan Frost mobile game report? Yeah, but it may not be for a while. That's fine. That's I will eventually give the official, heard it the here official. first, yeah. gold standard Dan Frost mobile report on Star Realms. Yes, excellent. I'm put it in your diaries, um, even though there's yeah, no stuff I have, I've put it in. But no, I, I really like how it's kind of trickled out and to a couple of different people because obviously like I was looking into it and playing it a little bit and I was like oh, Sam get on this joint and then Chris oh you get on this joint and now it's gone to your partner Chris like um, Alex it's I'm like, it's like to, you're I'm, describing an STD I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> STD so like a, a star tra- well, hold on here we go a star uh, transmitted a star realm transmitted addiction no addiction D- uh, yeah, no. Star realm, star realms, like one word, transmitted. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, but it is a kind of, it is a kind of. Star a... realms, transferable desire. There it there is. There we go. That'll, Thank you, Dan. Our well wordsmith there. Um, no, but it, but it is that kind of. It is like I talked about this again on the We're Not Wizards podcast. So I'm trying to make it so you don't realise it was like a two-hour slagging match against you, which it wasn't. Um, <laughs> um, the fact that like yeah there's this obsession but actually like there's something there was something quite infectious about it honestly just listening to that recording it made me want to play it and I went out I I Mm. bought the app I played Mm. I bought the card game of it as well that's based on one conversation with you and and it's it's that kind of the black hole obsession of Peter Willington um, which is uh, an official thing Um, that's the that's the name of my fragrance line (laughs) Peter Willington black hole obsession (laughs) sucks in light (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cannot um, escape, Peter Willington. Black but Pete, Pete, I've got, I've, Pete, I've got. Now I can actually pose a card game now for you to become obsessed with. Go on then. It's a little bit less highbrow than Star Round. Mm-hmm. It's um, a card game I was introduced to the other night um, by my partner's flatmates, who um, they played it with their neighbours, and they they loved it so much they bought um, the card game. It comes in a round tin. And the cards around, you may have seen this in various game conventions and things and wondered what the hell that is, because it just looks like a tin of coasters. But um, <laughs> it's a game called Spot It. Right. I thought you were going to say get, there's a game called Doppel, I think, which looks very similar. Yeah, it's similar. a bit like Doppel, Dan. You're absolutely right. And basically, I think it's the same company, Dan, because that's what I thought it was. And basically, in this tin, is a stack of cards, and you flip them over, and it's pictures of several objects, um, and you'll see them replicated in other cards with different sizes. So deal out a set of cards each, and then you flip one over. You all flip one over at the same time, and you have to quickly look to see if there's somebody else's card that has a symbol that matches yours, and you have to quickly say it and give your card and put it straight away on their pile, and then they do the same. It's about trying to get rid of your card. And it sounds mm. like a really basic game, but because mm. all the shapes are different sizes and things, it's just that hilarious thing of just staring at your card, staring at somebody else's, and you're just about to ascertain what it is that you're connected and suddenly a new card is on your hand and you think oh my god okay ah uh, and it's that kind of that frantic pace of um escape from the temple where you're rolling dice in that case and you've yeah. got a time limit but here yeah. like it's a, it should be so obvious the thing is staring you right in the face but for some reason you can't see it because there's this there's this competition in the room and it's just a quick fast game and we don't talk about these kind of quick fire kind of games uh, we tend yeah. to talk about kind of long-winded, kind of narrative-based games, or mm. um, a little bit longer, a little bit meatier games. Not fully heavy, but this is incredibly light. 
So that that is very very similar to Doppel, then, isn't it? I think it must yeah. be the same company. Um, yeah. Doppel Doppel is a very similar game in terms. Of you have cards with images, which are kind of different sizes. Rather than everyone um, kind of each having their own pile, you have one pile in the middle, and then um, if you have on your card something that matches on that card, you put it down, and then you then you carry on from that card onto the next. So everyone then sees from their yeah. own set. Do I have something that matches? Someone puts a right. card down, that resets it. So it's the same in kind of concept as with Spot It, but I think Doppel is for a younger demographic. Uh, I mean, right, I first played, played it, it with my kind of seven-year-old nephew. He was the one oh, who sure, wanted to play sure. it with me, um, and he beat yeah. me, um, genuinely as well. <laughs> Without, sometimes, sometimes you'll play with a young child, and you'll be like, yeah, I can I can absolutely beat He's He's played me at chess before, and I've absolutely let him win. Um, but this one, yeah, he absolutely beat me. I was like, this is quite annoying, actually. Yeah. He beat you in chess and he thought, mm, maybe that was a bit too hard. Let's yeah. bring out Doppel, Uncle Dan. <laughs> bring down Doppel. Yeah, beats beats Dan. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Uncle Dan is... Oh, Can you handle Snap, Dan? He's rude. What's the name of, what's the name of your nephew? Hugh. Hugh is rude. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't talk about games like that. We, I mean, there's another one, um, another really quite famous one called Pit. Which is that that kind of ultra energetic, lightweight shout at your friends kind of a game? But that sounds really good. That sounds like a really nice, small, little, contained, fun. Yeah, honestly, I wanted. To, I, I was. I was literally that close from buying it off Amazon straight away, just because it was just so much fun. And I don't own anything like that. It's just. It's 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 one of those games that you can kind of play with people that don't usually play any kind of board game it's good so good like something like to have that in your collection really and it is unlike anything mm. i own um mm. really mm. um mm. and it's a lot of fun you're laughing hilariously because you're just shouting things like out like uh clock clan snowman and um piling them on each other for those piles no recommend it okay. you were also saying to me that you you'd played um oni rim oh yeah now this was this was Sam put up on WhatsApp, didn't he, saying that Onirim was free for a very short period on Android on the Play Store, and I'd yes. heard about it before because the Dice Tower, which I follow, Z Garcia, one of their uh, reviewers, he loves solitaire games, and I've never really understood solitaire board games. I know Sam is currently he's just bought Friday, which is basically like Robinson Crusoe. Literally, it's a one-player card game because mm. I just mm. don't get the whole satisfaction like I play sol I played solitaire if I had a pack of cards and I'm stranded somewhere and I was bored like I've done it in airports and things yeah. ideally if I'm playing a game I play well, with me mates well the, the it's funny actually um, the obviously the company I work for Auroc so we did an adaptation of a games workshop single player card game from the 80s which was called Chainsaw Warrior and yeah they are I mean obviously good game etc blah 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 but um, like they are so I, I, I've never played the original card game, but I've played, obviously I've played our digital version a lot. And they are really, they're good experiences, but they are slightly odd experiences because you do think that you, you have to get your mind over this first hurdle of, I'm gonna play a card game by myself because we so intrinsically think that a card game is at least two players. Like it's just, there are no card games that you play as a kid really that are solo. You know, there's, well, there's other nothing than solitaire and uh, yeah. patience. But then, I mean, how many kids are like playing like solitaire and stuff like that? Like, we grew up with solitaire because it was the best game on Windows ninety five and Windows three point one. But I mean, like, now, I used to, yeah, but I used to actually play with real cards. My solitaire experiences I, were just on the computer. Really? Yeah. Because I used to play a clock patience as well. What on earth is clock patience? Well, no, because Solit Solit. I mean, I I haven't played it in years now, so I'm not going to remember how to play it. Because Solitaire is also referred to as Patience, so just another name for it. Klondike. Yeah. Um, and then with Clock Patience, it is literally you you put it kind of like in twelve spots around a clock, and then you have a space in the middle. And it's I can't remember how you how you play it now. Um, but it is again, it's a simpler thing of you having to rearrange all of the um cards into set numbers insert certain yeah. patterns of that so it's that kind of thing but yeah absolutely i used to I'd, I'd play that i'd sit in the living room on the carpet with just a load of cards playing out absolutely but there is something quite there is quite something quite fun like it's not the kind it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the same kind of game experience as you get with video games because we, we video games are like oh the single player oh the multiplayer but but it's kind of always just you and the screen and we 
we kind of feel like we get lost in these spaces in video games. But with physical card games, I always feel like when I'm playing a solo card game, I'm I'm very much like in the room. I'm tact. It's it's a bit more of like tactile experience. It's more of a a, a workout. I think the difference would be in a video game, the video game is the driving force. With a card game, you are the driving force. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like you're your own arbiter of fun. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. So. so <laughs> Pete's job as a children's entertainer was short-lived. <laughs> he just sits there, just staring at the kids. You are your arbiters of fun. <laughs> but I mean, like to come back to you know, as I say, like not not to harp on too much about work and stuff, but like for example, with um, with Chainsaw Warrior that we did. Um, so the game runs around um, dice rolls, and like a bad dice roll, you can just end your game, right? Like and. Uh, the same with when you would play fighting fantasy books where you would it would be yeah. like turn to 23 you've been eaten by a goblin and you would always like like when you roll those dice you go ah it wasn't a four and you re-roll it ah it was fine or oh I didn't get eaten by a goblin I actually chose page 97 you rescued the, the prince um, very progressive and very progressive <laughs> very progressive those books um, you know so you were your own arbiter of fun because you were always like, do I want to, essentially, do I want to allow the game to punish me and for me to not win? Which I, 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 you know, find fascinating. But I'm a complete hypocrite because I don't necessarily get solitaire game, but like, I'll happily play Oni Rim, which is a a fantastic car game, but I could never imagine buying it as a physical thing where I would you know get the box open the box take the cards right. deal myself a hand right. Dan's absolutely right the way video games work is that they are yes there's a screen but it is a reactive medium I press a button the game you know reacts back at me like if right. I play a card there's no card there's no one saying ah you can't do that ah sorry and then it like as they do in Onirim you know this goblin thing comes out and goes ah I've got your cards what are you going to do <laughs> do you, are you going to give get rid of one of your keys? Are you going to give me five of the cards from your hand? So, or so how do you how do you? So I downloaded Onirim on Sam's recommendation. How how does it actually play? I've downloaded it as well, but I haven't played it. Right. Okay. So picture this. So basically, it's this beautiful kind of pastel kind of color. It's this kind of dreamlike kind of quality, and it's part of a series of popular games within this kind of universe, which have the same beautiful kind of aesthetic. And basically, you are unlocking doors. Um, Sam's going to kill me because I'm, I'm completely butchering its kind of premise because I, I completely forgotten, forgive my ignorance. So these kind of dream doors, as it were, and you basically draw a hand of cards into your hand, five in your hand, and you need three cards of the same colour with alternating symbols to open one of the doors, and there's two doors for right. each colour. But there are these nightmare figures. There's about, I can't remember how many, there's quite a lot of them that are shuffled into the deck, and if you accidentally pull one of those... You have to choose whether to completely discard your hand, give it five, give it five cards to eat off your hand that you're about to deal out, and it'll take those. Or if you've got a key as one of your symbols, you know, sacrifice one of your keys. And keys are valuable because if you've got a key in your hand and then suddenly a door card comes up at the same colour, you automatically open the door. You don't need to have three alternating ones. So you can also sacrifice a key to look at the cards ahead and see when a nightmare figure is going to come up. And if you want, just shuffle it to the back so it won't appear yet. So it's very strategic. You could just play it in chance and just hope you get the sets of three that you need as they come up and things, or you could think quite strategically. Um, I'm kind of on the fence of whether I like it or not. It's addictive, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Um, so th- there is this kind of degree of strategy underneath it. And it is right. immensely rewarding when you break, you bust through the game and things. I think I've won about two out of seven or eight games. Wow, okay. I know, it is a steep learning curve, but the tutorial is great. It really takes you through really well on it, but it is very addictive, and sounds are beautiful. The art is gorgeous on the game, but it would not, it's not enough for me to buy a physical copy. I would only ever play this on my mobile phone. That's, that's really interesting. I suppose that is the beauty of digital versions of card games in general, in that it handles all the mechanics for you, right? Like, if there's a dice roll, you don't have to get some dice out and roll them. It's just it does it like it's just an rng and it figures it out for you i suppose it's much quicker as well that's actually one of the things i not to harp on about it but that's actually one of the things i really love about star realms which is that the reason that sam and i keep playing it is because it takes 20 seconds for me to play a hand and i dip in dip out and it's done whereas like if i was physically playing it in the space which i've still not done yet 
that would take a little bit more time, which I really want to do, but having the game just go tally up all of your numbers, go, yep, this card's available, this card isn't available, here's the next sets of things that you can do, all of that stuff I really, really love. Dan? Yeah, hello. Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I have seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes! Gosh, Dan, no one else had seen it. Sam hasn't seen it yet. Gunga, didn't you seen it? Chris, do you want to know a little secret? Yeah. I'd, I had actually seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when you brought it up last week. I just didn't want to spoil it for the others. Okay. I went to go and see it. I went to go and see it at somewhere called the Everyman Cinema in Bristol, which is like a really nice, really nice cinema where it's not it's not trying to be... It's not the Aberyst with Commodore Cinema where you get a little ice cream in the middle of the thing and there's like a break halfway through because they need to change the reels. Uh, it's not like that. And it's not an Odeon, so it's not like clean and slightly neon areas and big screens and all the latest blockbusters. It's not that. It's like... It's an independent cinema. There you go, Dan. That, that roundabout explanation was quickly summed up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so you went to an independent cinema. Dan, way with words, Frost here is absolutely on fire. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an independent cinema, but yeah, so it's got this a really nice... This is what you nice, needed with me being off for a few weeks. I know. I, ge I guess what I'm trying to say is the aesthetic of the place feels like like it's a very posh cinema and okay. it's trying to aim for a clientele like Dan, which is to say... Um, knows a lot about films wants to see something that's popular but also wants to see something that's maybe not quite as popular like something that Dan might have read about in Empire that might not necessarily get a very long run at an Odeon or a showcase or whatever but would get a slightly longer run at an independent cinema and yeah it's very nice sort of so more like well, art taste films as well as as well as your your big budget stuff some more art taste stuff as well is what you mean yeah, fancy stuff that you like. Stuff like I, I don't give a toss about any of that stuff. I went to go and see Guardians of the Galaxy two there, so I think they probably were like mm, riff raff. Um, but uh, I saw it, and uh, what do you think? I really loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It captured what made the first one so great. It didn't. I don't think it matched the first one. I think that'd be very difficult to do, only for the fact of the first one was such a new property and a new kind of sense of humor and it kind of just completely blindsided you but also i i personally i really like origin stories i think when you look at all the comic book films most of the best ones most of them are origin stories because you you get that full breadth of character then and so that's why i really liked it but i laughed all the way through i thoroughly enjoyed it i really liked the story a lot of the story beats were brilliant i know we'll, we'll we'll we can talk about spoilers because we can we've all seen it so i love the bits with um yondu and that kind of story arc i thought was really lovely um, which one was yondu yondu the, guy with the mohawk and the whistle arrow yeah liked him <laughs> uh so i really like that story arc i adored baby groot i could not oh. get enough of baby groot i could have watched the scene with him collecting different items from the from the cupboard uh, just i could have watched that for an hour the whole film could have been that scene and i would have walked <laughs> out skip it it's the best it thing was, in the whole I, film it was brilliant the, the moment where he comes out with the severed toe and they just look at him <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it was just classic but um there's a, a couple of gripes that i would have some probably fairly common with most people i think one in particular gripe i have I've not seen anyone else have that gripe, so I think it's a little controversial. But before I go into those, what were your guys' thoughts? Well, Gungadin's got a mouth full of bloody new potatoes, so I better kick in. Um, sorry to let the listener behind the curtain, but Gungadin, <laughs> Peter Willington is having what appears to be a plate of carbohydrate <laughs> while we're recording. Um, so um, I, I loved it, Dan. I thought in some respects it was too much of a good thing. Um, I loved it was so it's almost a paradox i loved every aspect of it but i felt it was a little bit too long and a little bit too bloated in places but i thought it was far more funnier than the first one and i loved the first one i agree with you completely dan i am a sucker for origin stories they're always my favorite bit the fellowship of the rings is my favorite lord of the rings film um the first iron man film i think although i loved iron man 3 so i'm, I'm kind of undoing this now but um 
I loved Baby Groot. My partner, at one point, she just turned to me and she said, can we get a Baby Groot? <laughs> for like a, for a split second that this talking tree with Vin Diesel's squeaky voice did exist somewhere. I loved the themes of fatherhood and the difference between being a father and being a dad. That mm. was just um, gorgeous. It is, a, it is a lovely line that Yondu says where he says, uh, he was your father, but he weren't your daddy. And he's kind of like, that's all they kind of encapsulates that entire relationship that you haven't seen you've never seen that relationship it's always just been implied yeah and it's really interesting to have um, a film that focuses on fatherhood if you think about usually in a sequel of a trilogy it's kind of more a case of okay they get together in the first one then there's a falling out in the second one and they have to kind of put their differences aside in the second film it was about them coming closer and closer together the first one was like his friends the second one was family which I thought was lovely. And I just love the fact that it is an indie film with a mainstream budget, which is perfect for the cinema in which Pete saw it in. Um, yeah, I love comic books. Don't give too much of a monkeys about films. I don't really know the Guardians of the Galaxy that well. I saw the first movie. I thought it was really good. I Yeah, I really liked the bits with... What was his name again? Yondu. Yon- Groot. Yon- Yondu. Yeah, uh, I li- I liked him. He was really good, and I thought I, the thing I loved there was a real sense of like, yeah, eat a dick, to, like when all the pirates got killed. That was great, and the little uh, the the some of the visual effects when the um the little um panpipe that he's got or whatever it is zips around the, the, the arrow. space and well, the an arrow. Ar- an arrow, I would argue, is a little bit more piercing than a panpipe. Depends how <laughs> coming high through your head. <laughs> Depends which note you hit. So basically, like, I love some of the lighting on, on, on some of those scenes. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it was. I, I really, I really liked it. I think it was slightly too long. Yeah, but, um, I agree. But I think most things are a bit too long these days. Like, I, I get, I just get bored. I think. But um, I, there wasn't anything in there. So here's my here's my thing. The reason I said earlier, it's the every man would be a place that Dan would really like, is because. No, Dan, you know a lot more about like the craft of cinema and and you care basically about films a little bit more. I am quite literally the lowest common denominator when it comes to movies. I like to go and see movies like Guardians of the Galaxy because I like to be just sit there and like eat popcorn and, <laughs> and like and uh yeah, like sit there in a dark room eating popcorn and sweets and stuff like that and go, Yay, entertain me rather than anything else about it so I didn't obviously I didn't really notice anything else that that was wrong about it like, or, or, or that wasn't quite right about it um, so I'd be really interested to see I'm always interested to know like more about film criticism and stuff because I don't I don't see any of it so what did you not quite what didn't quite jibe with you I think <clears> one thing that kind of that kind of bothered me and he was kind of looking back on it that I was a bit disappointed about is the fact that kind of probably around the midway point or maybe a bit earlier than that they decide to split up the team and so for the majority for kind of a good good portion of the film the actual guardians of the galaxy get split into two teams and what i really liked from the first one is that whole interaction of that team dynamic constantly each person batting off the other and so i really liked seeing the character of star lord bat off with rocket but they split them up and so you then don't have that for a long time yeah and that was it was just a bit of a bit disappointing that that bit was kind of taken away and obviously that that narrative device of splitting them allows you to do the storyline between rocket and yondu which i don't think was as fully formed as it wanted to be i think it still kind of came a little bit out of left field and felt a little bit forced right in it was nicely done and i got everything about it and i liked it but it, it it lacked a little bit of the punch i think it was going for the other thing that kind of bothered me, and I only say kind of, and it is, I think, somewhat controversial because everyone else I've heard talk yeah. about it have all loved this, but I thought that the character of Drax was a little overdone in this film. What do you mean over? What do you mean overdone? In the first film, he is brilliant because he just he doesn't get everything. His thought processes are completely literal. So anything you say to him, he takes completely literally. And it's a great source of comedy. So the bit when someone refers to him and saying that something just went over his head, he says, it wouldn't go over my head. I would have caught it. And that kind of just literally taking that. 
and that kind of in this one tend to descend into kind of yes lit literal kind of comments that he makes but I thought there was just too much of them in the same way that I really liked the amount of baby Groot I got I thought I was given too much of Drax too much I that kind of started to grate on me a little bit as the as the film went on it tended to go over certain motifs and certain areas over and over again it did eventually develop and show a development of the character which was nice but I found myself halfway through kind of getting a bit annoyed with the character that the character was better than that it didn't it didn't need a few of those scenes you you, you got the progression already you didn't need the extra bit of him saying something he didn't have to tell the mantis character that she was ugly several times because he mm. he doesn't understand the difference between kind of someone who is beautiful on the inside considering on the outside for him she's she isn't attractive once or twice yes that that works but that kind of kept happening again because it's a funny line but i just got it's like it's great on me a bit and i understand that pretty much every review i've said most of them have kind of said that drax was a star of the show mm. and they've all really loved him in it and they've loved kind of that character i just didn't get that and that, that i mean i i can understand that i'm in the minority with that but i can't help that i was just like oh i've got a little bit a little bit tired a little bit wearisome i found so, some of his some of his jokes the character didn't make much of an impression on me the only stuff i can remember of him are the comments about you know telling mantis she's ugly and also that great line oh my nipples the recurring gag when he's given the jetpack and he's sent off but yeah that's that kind of, only... that, i mean that i didn't get the joke why was why was that really that funny because it was from the very first at the very very beginning yeah no I, 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 got, I got that i just mm, yeah it just yeah, it, yeah no there were some jokes that i i think they were just they were kind of quite right and you can get away with that in a sequel you can't get away with it in the first film because because it's so beloved and you can kind of get away with jokes same with pac-man when he turns into pac-man i mean can i just say the moment where kind of the characters of star lord and ego are fighting and you see them start to amass rocks behind them and you see kind of ego jump through the air and he's he's kind of built the kind of the the rubble around him to create a giant version of him i kind of almost groaned and went oh no they're not yeah. just doing the you've turned into yeah. massive versions of yourself to have a bigger fight and then pac-man came along and i almost wanted to stand up and applaud it was just like that's amazing that is literally yeah. laugh out loud funny and absolutely what i did not that's see coming the thing i actually really like about guardians of the galaxy as a film series is that it completely undercuts the superhero shtick like it plays with the fact that it's a comic book much like Deadpool does in definitely in the comic books and uh, to a great extent in the, in the movies as well it plays with the fact that it's it's about superhero originally about superheroes in spandex carting across the galaxy in spaceships to fight aliens and to, like destroy uh, ancient weapons and, and, and steal gems and because of that, it gives itself the license to be silly. And those moments with the Pac-Man, where it's like you see that big Pac-Man thing, the reason that that gets put in is because it is really good light relief. Like I, I, I'm, I was exactly the same as you, Dan. I saw that big monstrous stone version of, you know, is it Val Kilmer? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. All right. It's Kurt Russell, big Kurt Russell um, guy. Uh, did the voice your voices guys that's yeah. so the so big Kurt Russell guy um, becoming a stone thing I, I'm with you Dan like I, I I saw that and I was like ah like we don't need this again and then for them to just completely undercut the whole thing with this brilliant self-referential 80s tinged joke about popular culture that people who are going to go and see that movie would totally get and I love that because I'm kind of getting a bit like I'm getting so Alex and I've been going through all of the the Netflix Marvel TV series and we're just about now so we've done all of them now except for Luke Cage we're about halfway through that series because the first couple of episodes like we just we just absolutely churned off it we were like oh man this is so slow so so slow it's really the characters are great and the story is really interesting but it's so so slow but anyway we're going back to that and the thing I've realized is having come off the back of um, Iron Fist Ugh. which it's got its own share of problems but the one thing it, it is not <laughs> lacking in 
is is pace. Like they get through a lot of story beats pretty quickly, but all of them are pretty grim in places. Like there's people getting their skulls smashed in, and you know people's stomachs exploding for, through drill bullets, and you know super super fisticuffs in in hallways. Um, and then you see in lots of other movies, especially in the DC movie universe, where everything is grim and everything is the worst and everything wants to be the Dark Knight Returns. And yet, you go to see something like Guardians of the Galaxy and straight out the gate, it's like, this is the 80s, this is super high colour, this is a bunch of references that you're going to get, it's a load of jokes, there's going to be some sad bits, there's going to be some touching bits, but you are in this for the action and the funny. And and it's, it's actually really refreshing. Can I just say as well, as you mentioned there, just right from the off, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 must have one of the greatest openings to any film ever. Mm. Just That took them two years to do that. that yeah. Opening. And I love the fact that they spend so much time kind of with the computer graphics on the fight that you that no one is looking at no one is looking at the fight going on behind baby group because right. everyone is just completely enraptured mm. by him dancing in front of you there's so much yeah. so much shit going on behind him and you you no one sees it yeah it's yeah i i, I really i i thought it was a good movie and um i hope that they do a third they sort of suggest that they, they are will. they are doing a third um, I kind of the only my only criticism is not enough Ed the Duck. You mean Howard the Duck? Yeah, Ed the Duck was a CBBC puppet from the early nineties. Who yeah. do I mean? Howard you the mean Duck. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Not enough of him. Yeah. And also, <laughs> Roland the Rat. Roland the Rat. <laughs> yeah. Good. Gonna just I want to get your opinion on one other thing. And it's a, not just guys, guys, it's general Marvel, okay? What are your views on the Stan Lee cameos? They're brilliant. And I hope that they're building up to what they hint at in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, if, yeah. if he actually is a, watch, uh, a watcher? Yeah, so it's the watchers and basically, yeah, I think, so he is, he is all the same person, basically. All his Stan Lee cameos are the same person. Yeah. And if and if if basically they make it out to be Stanley is a watcher, and this is and he's just a part of it, then I am all for them doing it more and more and more because to me that is a really good indicator that whoever is the creative lead behind these projects Kevin Feige. gets it. So he, they get it. Yeah, because for me they are always the worst the, the lowest point of I, any Marvel film right 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 I before Guardians of the Galaxy 2 completely completely agreed with you every single movie I was just like I couldn't relax until I saw the Stan Lee cameo like I couldn't re I was like he's gonna turn up somewhere he's gonna get his head out so he's gonna pop his little head up and say hello it's me I did all the comics uh, like yes absolutely I hated it because I was just like oh, just get it over with just get it over with but now, if what they're doing is hinting towards actually he's a watcher, and actually the significance of him being a watcher means that it allows them to do some really interesting things in that universe, basically, because it, it essentially says all of these are connected, all of the cinematic, all of the film universes are connected in some capacity, and those watchers have been throughout throughout the Marvel universes they're the really the only constant like the Marvel universes completely change get rebooted and uh, and refined and characters come and go and you know and what whatever but the watchers always remain and that makes me think that makes me think brilliant because that means that in 10 years time he, you know, if he, I'm sure he's still, I'm sure he'll still be alive. He doesn't look like he's aged since the '60s. You know, Stanley will be able to be to be there when they reboot the X-Men, when they reboot uh, Avengers, when they reboot Iron Man, when they reboot all that sort of stuff. And there can be that continuity. Yeah, but I, I didn't need, I don't need the Watchers to know that this is all interconnected. I know it's all interconnected. It is, it is all interconnected. They, and for me, the Stanley cameos are the worst because he is the worst. He is terrible. <laughs> I respect everything that he has done. Yeah. But he is—he ain't no actor. 
No, and he's he not. is hands down the worst thing in every single Marvel film. And every yep. single Marvel film, bar none, I have sat there and groaned as soon as he's come on screen. I think the yep. worst one was when he was in Age of Ultron and used his Excelsior catchphrase. I almost kind of wanted to just get up and go, no, I've had enough. No, that's it. Over. And yeah, it's just, ah, oh, it annoys me every time I watch it. I need people Pete, to share my annoyance. I, I, I want to pick you up on the point that you believe that Stan Lee hasn't aged since the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't. Um, I'm looking at pictures of him now in the 1960s, and yeah. he, I think he has aged. Has he? Yeah. I mean, he's probably aged by, I mean, let's in, say, 50 years. Yeah, but... <laughs> just, uh, just plucking a figure out of the air, yeah. Since, his, since the 60s? Yeah. Are you I sure... Oh yes, no, he has. Yeah, yeah. Like Dan, the watches, the watches were just there as a little bit of something for the fans, really. I don't, I, I can't imagine they're part of Kevin Feige's master plan, which you've probably no, and I don't, go. Th- I don't think they are. I think it was a James Gunn thing that I think because yeah. that was obviously a fan theory, and he liked it, and he thought it'd be fun just to put him in a scene with them. Because uh, admittedly, bear in mind that this is one of the few, gar- a few Marvel films of recent history which has had no reference made apart from a couple of throwaway mentions of the Infinity Stones. To any of the other films, yeah. I mean, you see Jeff Goldblum in the credits. That's the only hint of any other film in the its existence. Um, and I think Pete, you're going to really enjoy um, the third four film because it has that kind of '70s kind of science fiction kind of quality. I mean, the trailer yeah. was just the most popular trailer when it came out. It was just huge. And Taika Waititi, who's this fantastic Kiwi director, is going to do a good job of that, I think. I was going on Netflix. You know how Netflix gives you recommendations to try and do this thing now, saying, oh, you're a 99% match for this. Like, it's trying yeah. to, like, I don't know, like eHarmony or something, pair you up with a film. Are or you just going to say, no, I'm not? Well, <laughs> my, my partner had been on Netflix on my account watching documentaries, <laughs> and she'd watched this one documentary about, like, Nazi death squads. And right, apparently, yeah. because we watched that, or she watched that, the films I should be watching... Uh, stuff along the similar lines but also Men in Black 3 weirdly um, but there was one that came up and the title just intrigued me wow. Sam's like we've got to watch the first episode and okay. it's called The Sniffer The Sniffer? The Sniffer now before you before you even google it before you IMDB right, yeah. it yeah. before you do it down, I can see you doing it what do you think? imagine now mm. uh, you're, you're the executives yeah, you know, an office. Twelve of you in the office. You're a TV executive. You've got a, yeah. you've got a, you've got a space to fill on your schedule. Yeah. Prime time TV. I yeah. come in and say, I've got this one page treatment. It's called the Sniffer. What are you yeah. thinking it's going to be about? I think that it is about. Oh, okay. I know. I think that it is about a. Have you ever seen Dexter? Yes. Right. Okay. It's about a person who works at the FBI and he's part of their uh, he's part of their drug crackdown team but the only way that he he can find out where all of the cocaine and other drugs are coming from is by sniffing them so okay. like he like has to do like lines of drugs it's like chew the 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 comic book chew or uh, oh yes, yes. Choose a great example. They have, yeah. Where they have to like eat food, and then you can see the memories of the food. I think it's like he has to snort the cocaine, and then he's like, "Aha! It came from Colombia. You're on a truck, and it saw that it was being um, taken into the country by Barry, and that's where we'll." <laughs> he can even ba- smell the name of that person. Yeah, exactly. And then Barry went to here, and that's where Barry lives. Let's go. And then the TV series is about that. And but, but, uh, and his name's uh, Nigel Drugman. Nigel Drugman, he he's the sniffer, gets all that stuff. First couple of episodes are like, yeah, he's solving crimes, being amazing, using his superpower. But then he realizes that he's becoming addicted to cocaine, uh, and it's about his slight, uh, it's about his fall from grace and him trying to cover it up while still trying to stop drugs happening. It's that. Wow, Neil Drugman. I can't follow that. No. Well, I mean, I was mine was just going to be about a dog who's dog sniffer dog who solves crimes. That was it was I was going to have a crime solving dog, but I can't I can't compete with Neil Drugman. Stan, how do you think how would the dog work as a kind of 
a main character. <laughs> Voiced. Okay, Im- Im- imagine imagine Turner and Hooch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if Hooch were the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Hooch and Hooch and Turner. Yeah. So it's Hooch and Turner. Whereas yeah. you 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 follow Hooch and you follow him and he has to deal with his overbearing owner. (laughs) But obviously, it's one of those things where you can understand the dog, you can't understand anything the humans are saying. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be amazing! Dan, that would be amazing! Why can't I crap in the kitchen? That would be an amazing TV series! Just all the humans, like, like proper simlish, and all the dogs are just having proper conversations. Like, there's like there's like the sexy chihuahua on the corner. Ah, no, I never find out where the drugs are. And then there's like the British bulldog who's like, oh, I can't believe I sold him a bunch of drugs and guns. Oh my god! Someone think, commission this. I think all the humans should. When the humans speak, it sounds like they're barking, so it completely <laughs> inverts it. So was it that, Chris? Who was closest? Who was closest? Yeah, who was closest? Oh gosh, I think Pete, you're the closest. Yeah. Basically, it's the, the sniffer is I think the most popular TV series to come out of the Ukraine. Okay. Um, it's like a procedural drama in which they've got essentially what their version of Sherlock it's 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 trying to emulate Sherlock in some respects it's about a bloke who is um, contracted by the police to help solve crimes because of his amazing nose and it's basically full of shots of him walking into a room yeah. and just just <laughs> oh my god and just look at, looking up into the t- kind of top corner top round corner I have a 59% match for the sniffer and yeah you, you you kind of like and then there's this kind of like vapour that he sees and he walks around the room following the vapour like in Arkham Origins like, like in a Looney Tunes cartoon solve, yeah 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 like a, or a Bisco <laughs> advert and he kind of follows this and he can he can kind of smell everything about this kind of the person that was there and things and because because his sense of smell is so powerful when he's not working he has to put nose clips in Oh my it's god! It's incredible. So, like, You've got to watch the first episode because there's one bit where he goes to a school oh and there's a bookcase behind this gla- kind of glass front, and it's so obvious that the books are kind of just a picture of books that've been stuck onto the wall <laughs> <laughs> and put behind the glass. Um, oh my god! It's incredible. But I just think I've only watched the first episode. But I think how can they? It's been so popular. Like people on online have done like these YouTube mega cuts of like. Sherlock, uh, Poirot, yeah, Poirot, and the sniffer, you know, like they're, <laughs> on, they're at the same level. Um, That's uh, amazing, it's extraordinary. Like, but it is just a bloke, just a bloke, shots of a bloke, just going. That but sounds it's great. Done very, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe ironically, I'll stick with it. But the sniffer, you should check it out. Oh, I'm gonna check that out on Netflix. Fifty-nine percent match for you, Dan. They know you. Oh yeah, he loves all that art house cinema stuff. But you know what? Get him on the sniffer. Speaking speaking of art house cinema, has has and it's not really art house cinema. Um, have either of you guys seen the film Inherent Vice? No, I really want to because that's on Netflix. Is it or Amazon Prime? It's on Amazon that's, Prime. That I watched is, it. Is what's his face? Uh, Joaquin oh, Phoenix. Uh, Paul so Thomas Anderson. Pete. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I like the trailer. I really wanted to see that. Yeah, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Pete. Uh, so he so he directed uh, There'll Be Blood, uh, Punch Jung Love. Uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah, I've not seen. I've, I've seen. I've seen the blood one, uh, and it's about it's about mining. Yes, that's the one. Right. Anyway, so it's 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 directed by <laughs> Pete. One sentence plot description. Yeah, it's about mining, and it's not <laughs> about mining. But I know you're of thinking the, the right thing. The actor, the main actor, is the one who said, who was in a stage version of Hamlet. A stage version of Hamlet. Just think about what you've just said. This is the guy who earlier compared Val Kilmer to Kurt Russell. Which, to be fair, isn't as bad as his previous... They're basically the same. They look exactly the same. They're really not. They're both white dudes with mullets. And I think they've both played Batman? No. White dudes with mullets. Uh, (laughs) Inherent voice. So so you can't tell the difference between Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer and Rod Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bolton. <laughs> They've all played Snake. 
Right, yeah, go on. So, WS, is, is this the same Paul W.S. Anderson who did the Resident Evil movies? No. This is Paul uh, Thomas Anderson. Is that his brother? I don't know his family history. I know his cinematic works. I mean, how, how often are siblings given the same first name? <laughs> I I have, uh, yeah, Chris has enough. made a very, very but, good point that I didn't they, pick up on. I guess where I came from was they're both called Anderson, they both make movies, but I guess Anderson's a fairly popular name, and you're and right. Gilly, and Gillian Anderson's their sister. Yeah. yeah. Jerry, Jerry Anderson, who created Thunderbirds, was their great uncle. <laughs> I like Charles the idea of having a child. We're going to call this Paul. <laughs> We're having another boy. What up? Well, I mean, Paul worked out really well. <laughs> Let's just do it again. So anyway, Paul W.S. Anderson, or whatever his name is. Paul Anderson. Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes, this, I'd, I'd read the, the Book of Inherent Vice a couple of years ago. It's a really difficult, difficult read. Um, the way it's written, it's written in a way, because the story uh, kind of revolves around the protagonist, this guy called Doc Sportello, who is this kind of uh, detective. It's set in 90, like early 1970s. He's like this detective, stoner surf dude it's kind of very the whole kind of book story and film sits within a, like a haze of cannabis and that kind of thing and the right. book is written in a way that kind of makes you feel high it's the most it's, it's really weird uh, situation where i've been reading it and you start kind of like a start a passage and you get halfway down the page and you realize you're now talking about something completely different you don't really know how you got there and it's just meandered and the train of thought has taken you on this kind of journey and suddenly you realize you're halfway down the page and you're like this is completely different to where this page started and it's that kind of the way it's written makes mm. gives you that feeling of being completely out of it and just kind of just kind of high mm. and just not that i not that i ever have been you know uh wouldn't wouldn't dream of uh, engaging any illegal activities no. No. um and the film does the same thing. The film is a very difficult watch, not kind of for content reasons. There's certain films that you're watching that are just a difficult watch. You need to really focus because otherwise this film will just run off and you'll lose complete comprehension right. of what's going on. But it's mm. a re <laughs> This would be a really good challenge for you, Pete, your attention span. You, li you literally, I, I had to sit there kind of reminding myself to stay focused because I was going to get lost otherwise and the film kind of wants you to get lost it Ooh. wants you to have that feeling of just kind of blissful in awareness of what is going on around you and just kind of getting confused about the whole thing it throws in random different plot lines in attempts to confuse you but in a I never mind it when a film does that because if the director wants you to feel that way if a film mm. confuses you because the director wants to confuse you that's fine because he has a reason mm. for doing it and it works yeah. It's really interesting watch, I think. It's a really interesting watch. Just like the book was a really interesting read in a in a way of seeing, as Pete, you were talking about earlier, the way kind of cinema and film can be done and the way in terms of narratives and stories and books, how the book, the, the novel, does that thing of taking you, giving you the impression of being drunk, of being high, of losing kind of a vague sense of comprehension. But then you kind of snapping and realizing oh wait hang on a minute where am i what what am i doing right, and it's really yeah. good i'd highly recommend it it's been out it came out good few years ago now about two or three years ago so but i definitely recommend you catching up i say it is on amazon prime at the moment that's where i watched it i was just flicking through on kind of sunday afternoon and i thought oh i'll watch that i wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a sunday afternoon film but <laughs> maybe a marvel <laughs> film for that but yeah highly recommend it I've been gone a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. You've talked about Doctor Who. Yep. Chris arranges his music by the weather. Yeah, I know. Right? I was like, Dan would have loved this. And there is conversation around the fact that Brannigan's roast beef and mustard crisps don't right. exist. Here we go. Now, listen, there's a reason, right, Dan, that it's you and me and Chris and made sure that Sam wasn't on this one because we need to gang up on Chris on this one. Uh... Brannigans are the best. Like ham and uh, ham and honey, uh, ham and mustard Brannigans. Roast beef. Are you and kidding mustard. me? They're like they're like an institution. It's not beef and mustard. It's ham and mustard, isn't it? No, it's roast beef and mustard. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You are. You are right. The, the two the but two key are... flavors are roast beef and mustard. And if yep. you can find them, which I can't at the moment, yeah, it's roast lamb and mint. 
Yes, you're right. The roast lamb and mint ones are delicious. Now, so there's that. I remembered other ones. Boasters. Did you ever have boasters? I think they were called boasters. Weren't boasters they were like a biscuit? No, they're little, little bubbly chips. Maybe they're not called boasters. Roysters? Roysters. They're called Roysters. Careful, boasters. Careful, Pete. You might lose me now. No, no, no. No, these are all part of that of that pub crisp. The yeah. pub crisp the pub crisp mythos which is basically your Brannigans your Roysters your fish and chips you know the little fish and chip ones that you get yeah. scampi fries yeah scampi fries is one of them your McCoys fine yes McCoys uh, bacon fries bacon fries all of these should have been much higher tier and I'm glad Dan that you're willing to back me up on this stuff because Honestly, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> but I think when I when I first when I first found out that this had happened, this conversation had happened, because I found yeah. out everybody before it got it was the, the the episode was published. Yeah, of course. I think my response to you, Pete, was, and I stand by it, that Brannigan's roast beef and mustard are the king of crisps. The king of crisps. I I do not disagree. I love them. I love board games. I love card games. I love video games. I love games of all kinds. But I think crisps might be more important. That's a boom moment. That is. That is. I don't think we can follow that. I think. No, you've, no. I think you've just, you, you've just ended the podcast. I don't just mean this episode. <laughs> uh, first of all, there's a Tesco man outside, so uh, this will probably all get cut. This bit will probably get cut. Alex. <laughs> Alex. I love the fact that he's still. There's still that hope though that it might get included. It may oh, get cut out, he oh, says. But if the rest of the, if the Alex. rest of the show is rubbish, Chris. If the rest of the show is rubbish, you've still got this. Ooh, he's he's gem. getting three crates worth of food. Oh my god, he's gone back for more crates. So what? Oh my gosh. I'm intrigued at how much food he's buying. What's it say on it? Brannigans? That's <laughs> that's another two crates that's five crates worth of food does he know something we don't <laughs> little does that Tesco delivery person know that every sound they make is now being recorded ok he's checking the order are you sure you want to order this sir ok I, don't, I won't judge you I won't judge you can you just sign here Mr Willington I know you, you made you made a you made a request for spreadable meat, but unfortunately we don't have anything in stock that um, kind of covers that. Are all these walnuts yours? So we do actually have a health warning on ordering this much energy drinks. Um, it, we we can only give you three three boxes of the drinks. I'm afraid we could um, Dan Dan because we're on webcam. We could wave and hopefully this guy yeah. sees us. He could if he just sees us. There he is. He's looking. <gasps> he's looking. He's looking. <laughs> He's looking at us. He's right. And we're waving at the Tesco delivery man. Waving us. Come on, waving us, mate. Come on, waving us. He's absolutely oh, seen no. us. He's looking at his phone. He's pretending he hasn't seen us. He's mad too. Crazy he's to people. He's Just... avoiding looking at the window now. He's absolutely seen us. It's fantastic. What a time to be alive. So, Tesco Chris, what did man. you do last night? Um, I waved at a Tesco delivery man in Bristol. Hello again. As mentioned earlier, we have free bundles of five games on Steam to give away, and those bundles are as follows. Now, bundle one contains Grav, 30 Flights of Loving, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, Golden Axe 2, and Samorost 2. Bundle number two contains Chivalry Medieval Warfare, The Stanley Parable, Robot Roller Derby Disco Dodgeball, Comic Zone, and No Time to Explain. And finally, our third bundle, 2064 Read Only Memories, Sid Meier Civilization Free, Complete, Super Meat Boy, VVVVVVV, and World of Goo. Entering is really easy. Just go to your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and rating. It takes around two minutes to do this. And when you're done, email stayinginpod at gmail.com. Let us know in that email where you've left your review, plus the country of the store you reviewed it on, and the name you use when reviewing. That's how we can find your review. Already left us a review? Awesome! All you need to do is mail us on stayinginpod at gmail.com with where you left your review, which country you reviewed us in, and your name. 
There's no need to re-review us or anything. On July the 1st, 2017, we'll enter the names we received throughout the competition period into the Compatron 4000, which will then draw three winners at random to receive the bundle of games. We'll then email our winners with their games that they have won. Have you got all that? Good luck, everyone. That was Staying In with Peter Willington, Dan Frost, and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.